Gang, for over a year now, I've been talking about True Hemp Science Full Spectrum CBD oils and how they've reduced my anxiety and helped me get better sleep without waking up feeling foggy and confused. I've also talked about the Full Spectrum CBD bombs that relieved my hand pain last year and made playing piano and guitar much easier. Well, gang, today I'm going to tell you about True Hemp Science organic gummies made with full spectrum hemp oil that are available now. They come in two different gauges. There are five, uh, 50 milligram ones that have 50 milligrams of CBD and 1.5 milligrams of THC. Then there are ones that are 100 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of THC. Absolutely delicious uh, lemon lime slash orange flavors and also watermelon black cherry flavors. Super, super delicious. Now, now, they also have a complete line of full-spectrum CBD products, including oils, tinctures, skincare lotions, sports rubs, chocolates, gummies, all kinds of stuff. Well, gang, How Did I Get Here has teamed up with True Hemp Science to bring you a very special offer that benefits all of us. Spend $100 or more at TrueHempScience.com and you will get a free gift. Just enter the code HDIGH at checkout. There's a little code place there for you to enter it. H-D-I-G-H and you will get a free gift with purchase. That's right. Go to TrueHempScience.com and balance your body and mind with True Hemp Science. Let's get down. Hey gang, I want to make a quick announcement. Since we started this podcast in 2011, only the last 20 episodes have been available on the streaming services. You had to go back to the Podbean app or to the website, howdidigethere.podbean.com to access past the 20 last 20 episodes. Well, gang, big surprise. As of now, the last 100 episodes are available on all streaming sites. That includes the From the Vault episodes. All of the episodes, the last 100 episodes from this episode back are available now on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Stitcher. Go there. Whichever one you're subscribed to, whichever one you use the most, go subscribe to How Did I Get Here. Follow us, rate us, leave us a comment if you can. And... uh And check out the episodes, man. Get out there and enjoy the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here on your favorite streaming services. Let's get down. I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys all had a good week. Whatever it is you did this week, gang, I have had a really good week. It's been a lot busier than normal, but what's made it busier has been really fun. I've been learning songs and rehearsing for a big show coming up this Monday, and it is uh, Barbara Nesbitt, Ben Jones, and Miles Zuniga present Paul McCartney music all night. It's Paul McCartney's 81st birthday on Sunday. We're doing a Paul McCartney birthday show. They've invited a band that consists of Harmony Kelly on bass, my friend and bandmate Darren Murphy on drums, and me on the keyboards. We'll be playing Paul McCartney music all night at El Mercado South this Monday, June 19th from 7 to 9. Come on down. It's really good. These rehearsals have been super fun. They have been, uh, they've been a gas, and it sounds fucking great. Like everyone's singing and playing. Those guys are singing most of the songs. Harmony's singing a song. Darren's singing a song. And I'm singing a song. Most of it's being sung by the rest of them. But we have had a really, really good time. If you're a fan of Paul McCartney, you want to come celebrate his birthday with some people who really love his music and are just fucking nerds, 
Come on out to El Mercado this Monday, June 19th, 7 to 9, where we will be celebrating Paul McCartney's 81st birthday one day late. All right? It's going to be a great time. I'll put, a, uh, I'll put something about it on my Instagram, of course. You can follow me. I'm at Johnny Gowdy on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow How Did I Get Here on, uh, on Facebook. I'll put something about it on there, too, so that you know about it. But, gang, today, I, I, you know, I can't really mess around anymore. I have a huge show for you guys today. Yeah, gang. I have a multi-Grammy award-winning artist and producer, Shooter Jennings, and video game industry legend and video game rock star, Star Long, my old buddy. They're both on the show today because they have started a brand new app called GigStan. GigStan stands for superfans. So let me read to you because what they're doing is pretty interesting and very innovative. Uh, basically, they're here to unfuck the live music industry. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to help out these people because small and mid-tier artists and venues with the capacity of 2,000 or less are getting screwed over. Middlemen take big cuts off uh, revenue and control who gets to perform where and when. This means that many talented and undiscovered artists have no way in. Meanwhile, the main source for discovering new artists, venues, are struggling to stay afloat. So Shooter saw this as a, as a problem and something that he could do to fix it is start this new thing, which is a, uh, they deployed a three-way live music marketplace for artists, venues, and fans that flips the traditional live music model on its head. Now, uh, basically what happens is an artist will put out uh, – will put out to their fans in a market that, they're, that they want to come to to this market or play this market like Houston, Dallas, Austin or whatever within like four or five days. They'll try and sell tickets for that show and then sell that show to a venue. Now, I, I know that's a little confusing, but of course, stick around because Shooter and, and Star have a lot to say about it and, and they can explain it all. And you can go to gigstand.com to get involved with it. You can also find gigstand. Uh, which is just the regular app GigStan in your Apple Store and the Google Store, or GigStan Pro if you're if you're an artist or a venue and interested in getting in it. If not, just go to GigStan.com. You can figure out what's going on. But I've decided to book a show with them. Yeah, I put together this really cool show that's going to have something to do with the podcast. It's Johnny Gowdy's How Did I Get Here presents, and uh, it will be taking place in Austin sometime between July 20th and July 23rd. All right, tickets will only be seventeen fifty, but I've put together a show with three singer songwriters or two other singer songwriters that I really respect and want to play with, which is Leslie Sisson of Moving Panoramas, who you've heard on the show, and uh, A. Sinclair, who's a great up and coming performer that you heard a lot about in the Boer conversation. Hopefully, we'll get them on the show there. I'll be playing my own set; they'll each be playing a set, but also I'll be doing some short interviews and hosting the show a little bit. I'll do some short interviews at the beginning of the set, so it'll be an interesting night of music. And and a new way to put on a show. So uh, Shooter and Star can really explain this a lot better. And in our conversation, they really do. I was really glad to get to uh, reconnect with my old friend Star. Star and I have been friends for like 30 years now at this point. And, uh, and getting to meet Shooter. I've met him a couple times, but, but he's, he's, uh, he's just a really great guy. We have a really great conversation. It's interesting to find out how, how into video games and nerd culture he is. It's really, it really is interesting. Like he was, he and star became friends because he kind of like tracked star down. You'll hear all about it. It's a great, great conversation and star is a great guy. But anyway, go to gigstand.com. This is a new way of booking. I think it's really cool. I've signed up for it. Uh, it's going to need fans. 
It's going to need musicians. It's going to be ven- it's going to need venues. So if you guys are out there, go to gigstand.com. Check it out. If we can all get this thing going, this is a a new interesting way to do our booking and to get people out to shows. Okay? So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Star Long and Shooter Jennings. Let's get down. to see you i i met you one time outside of continental club years ago i don't know like 10 years ago or something but um oh, really? yeah but we, we both played with a guy brian keeling like i played with oh, him like yeah, 30 years ago yeah yeah of course i love brian man i mean I haven't, I haven't played with him in a minute but he's uh he's i talked to him i still was still in touch with him there you go there you go what do you i don't know where star is well, you're early. Oh, yeah, I'm early because I wanted to test the equipment. Yeah, basically what happened. Yeah. All righty. All sounds good. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I told him I'm good till about one thirty, and then I've got to go to a doctor's appointment. But otherwise, I'm I am good. Great, great man. Um, you worked with didn't you didn't do the Masterson's album? You had the didn't you do an album that they played on? Was it like Tanya yeah, Tucker's album or something? That. Well, that, yeah, I also produced the Masterson record, uh, No Time for Love Songs, that oh, record. right, and okay. then, But I did, the Mastersons are on both. Um, well, Chris is only on this, the new Tana Tucker that's coming out Friday. Oh, but, fantastic. Uh, but Chris, Chris and Eleanor were both on the first one. The second one, we kind of took a different sonic approach and kind of went for, we were kind of trying to go after the, like, the Linda Ronstadt, like, late 70s California thing, and a little less of the Americana country thing. So we, but Chris is on both. Awesome. Yeah. He's so amazing, man. They both are. They're such great talents. Yeah. They're great. I love, I love them both. Yeah, man. Your friends. I was going to ask you, did you, have you been on that? Have you seen those, uh, those sunset sound round table things? No, you know, I was, uh, are you talking about the the one that's like a video podcast kind of thing? Yes, sir. Yeah, Drew tried to get me to do one with somebody great, and but he asked me like the day of, and I and I couldn't do it. I was in a session, but it, they were they wanted me to come down and do one. God, I can't remember who it was. It was somebody really awesome too that I like really wanted to meet, and but I couldn't do it. I'd love to. I recorded there about I guess we've done probably about ten records there or something. Yeah, kind of love that. You you did that Masterson's record there, didn't you? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah, room room three. That's like, and that's where we did the new Tanya. We've done room three is like the Purple Rain room. So it's like the, uh, him, that album, and but, uh, after the Gold Rush was cut in there. Jesus. All that Elliot Smith stuff was cut in there. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I worked in room two once, but just for a couple of weeks. But that was oh, really? a legendary one. Yeah. Yeah, room two is awesome. I did, uh, this guy named Avi Kaplan. We did a lot of the record in two, and we did a lot of um, see what, what was the other record that we did part of it in two. I trying to remember. I've done a couple of things in there. Uh, I love two also. They're all just kind of different, you know. It's yeah. like For me, I like three because that you've got that spread. It's like 
that's like wide and, and then there's a hallway and a private bathroom and you just got all this extra space to like put amps and, and things. And with like one, you, you, in two, there's just a lot of, there's not a lot of extra space. So it's kind of like if you're looking at loud guitars and acoustics and things tracking at the same time, it's kind of hard to, to isolate all that. But in, in three, it, it, you really can. It, yeah. it's, it's got that little, uh, that little, uh, like a, they call it like a singer's apartment that's right next to the board that where you can sit. We put Eleanor and Chris in there when we are doing his record. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, it's cool. It's like a little, it's own ISO room, but it's huge and it has like a couch and you can fit two people in there. So, oh, that's cool. Nice. That's funny. Two is like uh, the Van Halen drum sound room. You know, you know what I like as yeah. soon as you get in there, yeah. you're like, whoa, this is it. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's crazy. And then an the eruption that was done in one was done. Oh, really? The, 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 amp, the amp was put in the room that we that most people use for vocals that like Tanya was in. The amp was in that room for eruption. So it's pretty cool. I think Zeppelin recorded number two. I think Zeppelin did part of Zeppelin four and two. I think so, yeah. Those stories yeah. too, like if you've only been there like once, the the overwhelming amount of stories that everyone's excited to tell you because you're in some band from Texas. You know what I mean? You're just like looking yeah, at the yeah. walls and at the microphones and shit. Hey, Star. Yeah. Who, who, oh, hey, man. Oh, who did you record? Yeah. I was I was in a band called Gaudi, and we were on a subsidiary of oh, yeah. Electra that was owned by uh, Lars Ulrich, but we recorded with uh, Fred Marr. Oh, cool. And, yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Um. Hi, Star. Hello. Yeah. So I, I, before we get started on any of these questions, because I am fascinated with with Gig Stan and what you guys are doing, is how did you guys meet? Uh, that is a great story. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know whose perspective we should tell it from. I think <laughs> here you should tell it from your perspective, and then I'll tell it from my perspective, because they're, they're both very... Very different and very interesting. Okay. All right. So I am a very big fan of computers and games and have been my whole life. And the Ultima series of games were huge for me as a young man. And, and then particularly Ultima Online as well, which Star was had the other big hand in with, with uh, Lord British, Richard Garriott. So right. years later, like in 2004, 13 or 14 or 15. I don't remember how it took a long time for me to finish his album, but I was, I, I had, they had created a game called shroud of the avatar that I had kickstarted and I was playing. And, uh, I had kind of come across Richard Garriott on Twitter and I was making this record that's a tribute to Giorgio Moroder called uh, Kuntosh that I made. And there was this one song called chase. that was from the midnight express soundtrack that Georgia did. And I just had this idea to like ask Richard Garriott, if he would speak on the record. And so I, I just DM'd him and, you know, told him kind of briefly what I was doing. And he got back to me and he said, okay. And we had a couple messages back and forth and, he ended up recording all this audio that I ended up chopping up for my album. And, you know, of course, like this dude was like a hero of mine and, and I couldn't believe I was interacting with this, this group. And then he, you know, I online and I'm starting to get to, to, you know, I know I'm, I'm very aware who star is from the Ultima online universe and dark star and all that. But as this has come together, we just start to remain in contact me and Richard. And we end up meeting at the magic castle, which is kind of, this, which is how I meet Star. Now, Star, I, my perspective on it is pretty like 
I'm just some lonely fanboy that was writing, writing out to like, <laughs> it's not that to you guys. Right. Yeah. Wait, so wait, I'm going to jump in now. So I, you know, we're, we're doing our like computer game development stuff on this project that shooter mentioned shroud the avatar and Richard Garrett, who like, if you don't know who Richard Garrett is, he is like this infamous Austinite who founded a game company here in the eighties. He grew up on in Houston at NASA. His dad was an astronaut. He's like the definition of eccentric rich person before Elon Musk. Like the dude flew into space. Yeah, he went but, to space. Like, went yeah. in, <laughs> right. And, and and this is and so and this is why, you know, Shooter was interested in having him like talk about like making video games in the eighties and growing up in with his dad as an astronaut and going into space. Well, so, and Richard and I are great friends and collaborated on many projects together. We're working on our game. He pokes his head in my office and says, Hey, some guy tweeted me. His name, like, name is Shooter. He wants me to be on his album, do something spoken. I'm like, You mean Shooter Jennings? Waylon Jennings' son? Yeah, you should do that. That is really, really freaking cool. Like, not everyone gets to be on an album, much less an album like people will listen to. Like people get to be on albums, right, but not right, many right. people get to be on albums that right. people actually will listen to. Right, and that, and that'll be a cool <laughs> opportunity. <clears throat> well, and it'll be great publicity for our game. And I mean, I, I knew who Shooter was, but I had no idea like he was a total nerd like we were. Um, and so then I knew we were going to be at E3, which is this big annual game convention in LA. I found out Shooter lived in LA. We, whenever we were in LA, we would always go to the Magic Castle because Richard, as part of his many eccentricities, was, was also a magician. The way he got in was doing a magic trick in space. So <laughs> all these tied together. And so <laughs> we went, and so I was like, Shooter, you should like come hang out with us at Magic Castle. We all meet. We we like hit it off. We 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 were we do an album release party for Shooter in our game, where we like have all, everyone meets virtually. I DJ the party, and then Shooter awesome. and I, yeah, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> this is like by the way, I've lived in LA twenty something years by this point. I'm probably nineteen years at that point, uh, and I or actually maybe God, we've known each other a long time. I, I keep forgetting how long ago that was, but I had never been to the magic castle because I never knew anybody who had any access to it right, really. Right. And so, so this is my first time going there. First time meeting Richard, he brings star star gives me this chaos coin of his. Cause he's like celebrating the chaotic weirdness of the fact that I just cold, cold reached out to Richard Gary at the yeah, yeah. album. But we, he ends up, they end up giving us me this tour of this whole place where they're, the whole evening and it was like it was amazing it was like so surreal and to someone like me it was like you know i just was <laughs> i couldn't be more uh like bold. my mind was just blown and then and then star started coming we started hanging out you know that was the other thing it's like we did this party in the thing we went to uh we my band played dragon con while they were having a panel on on um Shroud of the avatar so like they all came to my show and there were people with lightsabers in the audience and shit. It was the, it was the most bizarre, but like coolest like experience musically. I think I'd ever had, you know, this whole period of time we played like a shroud party. So me, like men star would start coming 
sometimes with developers, sometimes with just like him, and he'd come to shows all the time when I would play my normal gigs in Austin and stuff, and we just kind of forged this, this friendship because, you know, I don't know, there's not, we have, we're like of, of the same mentality, I think. I think we just were kind of cut from the same cloth, and once we met each other, like it was to me, I was enamored by someone in his position in that field. And in in, in, it was I something know. I always loved. And he was always a music fan. And we just would talk and talk Bowie and, you know, talk like, he, I don't know, we were just talking about The Cure the other day. You know, we just have a lot of musical overlap. And, uh, and so we just became really good friends. That's how it started. Yeah. So this app, GigStan, you you guys are having some events for it. Um, do you do you guys want to explain what it is and and then how or, or maybe how, what led you to come up with the concept and why it's needed in this world? Because at this point, after so many years of having apps and all of these different things, it, it's hard to find. Just like if you're starting a podcast now, you, it's hard to find one that isn't already done, right? Right. So yeah, well, this seemed like you know this seemed like there was very. I'm gonna let. Star, Star actually can explain the app better than I do because I'm so scatterbrained. But the way the way that this came about is I was figure, I was feeling that I, the as a touring musician that the the music business it, touring is hard and there's a lot of band like I I was fortunate enough to have a major record deal in the very early stages of my career so I was able to kind of get off the ground but I had lots of friends that did it and couldn't get booking agents, couldn't get shows. And they had so much talent, like, and there was just so much involved in that. And, you know, there was almost like this kind of feeling of like, if you weren't, if you didn't sell enough, certain amount of tickets, you would never be able to play bigger places. You would never be able to get a booking agent or a manager to listen. And so I, I was just sitting on the road and this, you know, I was actually talking to my wife. It goes back a lot longer than even the summer because I remember having a conversation with a friend of ours that was a programmer trying to ask if this was possible. And this was many years ago, but, and he, it was way out of his league, but you know, I was like, why couldn't this work like, like Uber where there's like the artist in the venue and you, the artist can like be and have the fans drive a show by, by demand into an area. And then a venue would be like the Uber driver. And it would just, the, the venue that picked the show quickest would get that show that was you know, in theory, pretty full, sold already. And so I, I didn't know who to turn to with it. My manager, Adam Barnes, is part of this with us. And, and I would like rap with him about it and, and, and test case with about it because he knew so much about the business. But I just really had this solid idea that I just didn't know where to go with it. And then I, it struck me that I called Star one afternoon on the road. And, and I just said, what do you think about this? Because I knew that he wouldn't fuck with something that was you know, stupid or it was full of holes. And, and he was like the guy that had the most knowledge. And all of a sudden I was like, Hey, this is, and, and you know, in our first conversations, it, it also taught me that like, you know, he knows so much more about like raising money for these things. Like that's the area where I don't, I don't play in that playground ever, you know? So it's like the, the idea of developing an app or coming up with an app is one thing that's bringing it to the marketplace is another thing. So I reached out to him and that began a many, many year um, kind of spread of us like creating all the worst test cases for this, like making the thing airtight and then actually getting in development with, with the team that he put together. So that being said, 
he he is the one who often sits down with these people and tells them what this app is. And whenever they ask me, it ends up being like a 30 minute long ramble and I don't get to the point. So, so I'll let him explain it a little better, but yeah, you know, so that's, that's how it started. <laughs> you, in, in its simplest terms, uh, like 2019, Shooter, we were at a show and Shooter, he was about to play. He was like, you know, like he said, touring's hard. Booking shows is hard, especially if you don't have representation. And he's like, you know, we've got this idea for basically, you know, uh, crowdfunding for live music, Uber, like a mashup with Uber for live music. And so if you've taken an Uber or you've used a Lyft or you've booked an Airbnb or you bought something off of eBay or you backed a Kickstarter, all of those are what are called marketplaces. And they work off what's called demand mechanics. And what that means is you want a good or a service and you get that good or service based on demand. Um, and the, the way it works is you as an artist would say, uh, so Shooter would post a campaign, just like you would see on the Kickstarter. He would say, hey, Austin, do you want to see me play the week of June 20th? Fans, or is super fans, his stands. Right. That's why it's named Gig Stand. So there was an Eminem sound. Eminem song called Stan. And then that got turned into like what we call super fans and started kind of dark. But now it's, now it's like, now, now it's just like the term you use for like a super fan. Or if I, if I'm a really big fan of yours, I can say I stand you. And so then we mash that up with the term gig to come up with it. So the stands start buying tickets. Um, and those, once those tickets reach certain thresholds, the venues in that area will get notified and they say, Hey, look, Shooter's already sold 100 tickets or 200 tickets, and then they can start bidding for that show. <clears throat> and so uh, Saxon Pub can say, oh, uh, well, I can, I'll say I'll, I've got the 21st at 10.30. Or Broken Spoke will say, well, I've got the 26th at midnight. And then Shooter will pick the winning bid, everybody's tickets updates with the dates and the time of the show. And what we're trying to do is – in traditional booking, um, what you do is you take your artist in your venue, <clears throat> you book the show, and then you start selling tickets. So there's a lot of risk up front because you don't know at the beginning how many tickets you're going to sell. And that's where, you know, the expertise of promoters comes in and booking agents because you use a lot of your you know, ancestral knowledge and historical information to go, okay, based on this artist and this venue, uh, I think I'm going to be able to sell this many tickets. But our model says, well, don't book the show until you started to sell tickets. Right. And you know what that trend line is. And so you don't have to have guarantees and deposits and, th and things like that because you've already sold, you've either already sold out the venue depending on when you book when you put in your bid and when you make the show happen, or you can look at that trend line and you already have already made that guarantee or deposit. Right. Okay. So it kind of flips the model on its head and drives the shows based on demand. And the fans really start to drive where and when artists can do their shows. Right. So, okay. All of that is brilliant. 
And they, you, in the thing I was reading that these are these focused mostly on like dead days or. Yeah. And so one of the, and one of the things that we try to tell uh, artists and venues is that we're not trying to replace the way they currently book shows. This is really meant to be just another tool in the tool chest of booking. So <clears throat> one of the things you can do is right now you have like when you're going out on tour or you're a venue, um, you have what are called dead days. So you're, you're mostly playing Fridays and Saturdays, maybe a Thursday every now and then or a Sunday, but you're mostly playing Fridays and Saturdays. So when you're out on tour, you have a lot of days in between that you're not playing. And as a live venue, you have a lot of those days in between those Fridays and Saturdays where you're not booking shows. Well, and a lot of the reason you don't do that is because it's pretty risky to book those days for shows because bringing people exactly. in for right. any day other than a Friday and Saturday involves a lot of risk. Right. Well, if you could book that show with tickets already sold, you can de-risk it. That's and amazing. so that's what one of the selling points for us is like, well, use us to book the in-between days on your tour. Okay. Those days. Right. Because if you think about it like this too, like say, say it's a band that's got, you know, on Friday and Saturday, they're playing 500 seat venues, but there's not like, you don't, that's another thing. Like with a lot, when, when booking is happening and all that, like they're, they're kind of looking at where, where they can make the most impact. You know, they're, they're not going to try and book them on days that they're not sure. And they're also definitely not going to try and dip into small clubs for different days a week. Cause it's, the relationships are kind of built in these different areas. So I think another thing about it is like the reality is it's all based on demand. So if you as an artist sell 500 tickets in Atlanta and you're selling 500 tickets in Dallas, but like you use our app and you, you get like a hundred tickets sold in little rock then it's going to put you in a hundred ticket room and it'll be easy, you know, and probably be sold out. Like it's, it's not going to like try and book somebody in a big room, correct. you know, it's going to, it's going to, it's going right. to kind of know it's going to have a certain threshold that I think in our phases, it will, will become a little more predictive, but the threshold will basically be like after it gets to us, like if someone starts a campaign for Austin that, that no one's ever heard of, they're not going to sell uh, 200 tickets. Like right. if they have, but they, it's going the app is going to say, Hey, we can sell 50 tickets, you know, and, once it kind of starts curving towards not selling many more than 56, then it's, it's going to start looking for places that are that side, which there are plenty of that people don't mess with because they're not big enough for, for like agencies or live nations or those kind of companies to, to cater to. And there's a lot of bands that I know that have smaller, smaller, but very devoted fan base, right. you know, so this kind of serves those kind of um, clientele, if you will, yeah. you know, so let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, that one of them is from like the consumer, from the fan point of view, all the ticketing is done within the app. Correct? That's right. Like you even present the app at the door and they scan it and that's your thing. You get in. And so, yeah, that's right. so you buy a ticket and if the show ends up not happening, uh, you get refunded through like everything is pretty easy, ease of use for the, the, the fan. Totally. Yeah, and totally. Yeah, so, that's awesome. yeah, this is a great question. So, the, 
we're not only are we trying to de-risk it for the artist in the venue, we're trying to de-risk it for the fan too. So, you know, you're trying to support your favorite bands and get them to play more often, but to de-risk it for you, if for some reason the show doesn't get booked, um, either not enough tickets get sold or the dates don't match up for the artist in the venue, you get a full refund for your ticket. That's um, great. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, it's, it's also like there's a lot of mechanics built into it. Like for instance, like a venue, say some guys like kind of shady runs a venue and he wants to try and say the show didn't happen, but the show did happen. Right, right, right. It's like the, the, the audience and the, 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 artist and the venue have to all kind of agree that the show happened. And yeah. there's all like a lot of things like that that are kind of, that, that kind of took years of, like he brought in a great team, but in particular this dude named Lloyd Walker that, um, and, and of course Rodney White, but Lloyd Walker is like, that's what he does. And he told me, he's like, dude, this dude's a master. But then uh, we sat on these like, um, these kind of think tank sessions of kind of going through case and use and everything like that and really yeah, kind yeah. of going across. It was really fun to do. That was like one of the highlights of this whole process, you sure. know? Yeah. And, and another thing that we're committed to is like full transparency on all the fees. So there, the split is 80% to the artist, 20% to the venue. And then we at Kickstand just charge a $2.50 flat fee on top of that. Okay. Um, and then that's it. There's no other fees. No ticket. Of any kind. Uh, no um, no hidden fees in the tickets or anything. No. Uh, and we, and then we we do all the fun distribution the day of the show. So when the show's done, the artists in the venue get their cut right then and there. So there's no uh, delay for funds. And we take care of the taxes for you as well. So you don't have to worry about like uh, any of the taxes for the show or anything like that. We handle all that for you too. That's awesome. And so what about, yeah. sorry, <clears throat> the, um, as far as like the pro app, like do, does the pay for the artist happen through there or does it happen like at the show? It happens through the app? Yeah, well, it's up to the artist. We can either handle it through just so like a, there's a thing called Stripe Connect where it'll, connect directly to your bank account. And at the end of the show, it'll just show up in your, like it's, it's a payout that happens immediately into your bank account from Stripe. Yeah. Or we can cut a physical check if you want, but we can hand, it'll automatically just go to your bank account. If you, if yeah. you just click it. Yeah. That's great. And so you guys, it's already up and people can find it in the Apple and, uh, and Google stores or go to gigstand.com. Yes. And you have your first yeah. shows and everything going now, right? And you have one on the 20th here in Austin? Uh, yeah, so we had, we've had a couple of shows now. So we did uh, one right at South by Southwest was beginning with Help on Glory. And then we had uh, one uh, on um, a couple, uh, couple of weeks ago with John Muke and Natalie Price. Uh, that one was awesome. Uh, and, if you haven't seen either of them, they're great singer songwriters. That's at, um, I I worked with Natalie. I, oh yeah, I played on a couple of tunes with her. But um, it's funny because there's another app that Natalie was. She like called me about this this app. I can't remember what it's called, but it was a booking. Uh, so you know, far? About, no, no, no. It's not so far. There was an uh, like a website, and like it was a whole booking movement. I don't know what that is, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it took off. 
I don't know. Well, there have been, well, one thing to note, there have been a bunch of runs at this before. Um, but I and, don't think like the way that y'all are doing it, like the what she was doing was a straight up, like that's how you book your shows. Like you don't deal with the booking. You know what I mean? Like everybody yeah. books through this app. It didn't have anything to do with fans or anything. It just straight up booking app. Well, that's what these other prior things have done. They've, they've been what, uh, we're a three-way marketplace. Right. So it connects the fans, the artists and the venues and almost every prior attempt that we've found, cause we did a lot of market research is what I would call a two-way marketplace. Yeah. So where it connects either the venues and the artists and really it's just, those are all basically booking agents framed as websites or tools. And then, and, and not to discount what they do, but they're, they're, they don't bring the fans into it or they connect the fans and the artists to basically be a Patreon model or a Kickstarter to say, Hey, help me fund my album or my tour. But as far as we know, none of them connect all three in uh, this closed loop. Right. So, um, but yeah, so we did the show with Johnny and then, our next one actually is going to be uh, these guys here in town who have uh, podcasting and YouTube channels uh, uh, called Great Night and the Modern Rogue. They're going to do a live show at uh, Captain Quackenbush's. And then um, an artist that Shooters worked with, a guy named Justin Wells, he's going to be playing at Saxon Pub on September 9th. <clears throat> and those campaigns should be going live, I think, next week. And so those tickets will be on sale. Um, and then, uh, and then we've got a few other shows we haven't announced yet. Okay. I, it yeah. must, I, I'm seeing like in my mind that, so the, the main hurdle to overcome is to get, bring the fans into like, use it. How do you do that? Um, <laughs> I was like, well, like actually it's, you, you would think it's the fans, but the, the, what we, what we, what we've found and what we're finding is, it's getting artists and venues signed up because the artists and the venues will bring the fans. Okay. But bringing yeah. fans is not a challenge at all. It's really getting artists and venues signed up because that's what builds the marketplace mechanics is enough artists saying, Hey, do you want to see me play? And venues there to say, they'll pick up the shows. And that's really just, a sales process of us going around and talking to venues and artists and getting them to go, Oh, okay. This is a little different than I normally am used to, but I'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, and so we, and, and that's really just a sort of manual process of getting people to hear what we're saying. Um, and you know, Saxon pub, that's who we did our first show with. Um, They've been great. Super supportive. Joe and Jody have been freaking awesome. Uh, Captain Quackenbush's sound space, Ruby over there has been great. And then we're just sort of going around to anybody and everybody who will listen to us and give us a chance. Um, it, it's a challenge, I mean, to be very sure. honest, because it's, it's a different. It's, it's very exciting. We, yeah. we think it will help. Um, we think it'll get more shows going, uh, but it is 
you know, it's different. It's getting people to try something new is always, you know, people want to feel safe. You know, people want to feel like there's, we're not, they're not taking more risks than they're already taking. Right. And, and being an artist is a very risky endeavor, you know, and being a venue, especially small venues, like, like our whole platform is built around, you know, venues that are an artist that are, you know, medium size, like, nothing bigger than 2000 right. feet. Right. And so that's all. everybody who's in that space is, you know, always in a risky space. Right. Place. And so we, we want people to feel safe. And, and so that's why we always say like, don't, don't stop doing what you're doing with book, like book shows like you've always done. Just, Try us out for some additional shows. Yeah. Right. So yeah. anyway, that was a long answer to no, no, fans no. are not the challenge. Artists and venues. Yeah, and, but you know what's good though? I will say this. Though. The one thing I knew that would that would really help is that when it comes to the two elements that are at play here, which is tech and the music business, both of us are very experienced at this, and both of us have a lot of firsthand experience. And I've, I've for sure spent 20 years on the road and there's a lot of bad clubs I'll never go back to. And there's a lot of situations that I wish could have been different. And there's a million times that I played in a town where I know I had more than a hundred people that were only 50, hundred people showed up because they didn't know we were playing or because, you know, it was, it didn't get across their feed. So it's like, we're also trying to create like a communication between the fans and the venues and these artists, at least they know they could like check, and I think they know that it's like, I'm not some guy who doesn't know anything about it. And star is not some guy who's trying to grift off of this business. You know, this is, right. this is for us a solution and the tool and, and almost a, if anything, like a, like a change of, of mindset a little bit about what is possible and who you really need in the business a lot. Because a lot of times you get to some of these places and you have a promoter who is just taking money and not doing anything or, right you know, doesn't do this or doesn't do that. And, and so, and you had, I can't tell you how many times I've left a town and someone will write a comment on Instagram and be like, Hey, when are you coming to Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. I was literally there last night. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, and at least with these kind of, with these kind of things, like the promotion back then for a tour, you would put up all your day. So you had to like, go look and you go look at all this. And like with this gig stand app, another thing is, is that the, the show has a lot of focus. Each show has a lot of focus to it. It's not about like an artist, like laying out 90 gigs and asking fans on this app to buy tickets to one of them. It's literally like one show at a one campaign at a time with these artists, and these groups of fans. And so I think in that way it becomes more like the fans are involved in the actual booking process. Yeah. And, um, you know, if there's, if you, if you end up somewhere where the fans kind of, you know, because eventually, yeah, you, we have to build an ecosystem that's that's vibrant. But eventually, you can make it where fans are able to book an entire tour for for an artist. He can just leave a window of like, I'm I'm okay, I'm going to tour in August, and then all of a sudden, like grassroots wise, like this, these fans book this tour with two headliners, you know, right, or a right. festival, right, of their own. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. there's, there's a lot of and it's not just music. We've talked about it a lot. Like eventually you could, you could make it 
for almost any event that you wanted to put on. If, 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 if fans wanted to do that, if they wanted to, you know, to really bring, uh, bring the thunder of like their favorite artists, putting two artists that have never been put together, that kind of stuff can happen later. So exciting, man. That's amazing. It's very exciting. Do you, uh, the other thing too, is that I feel like it also, every, everybody's protected, even the venue. You know what I mean? Yeah, there, there, is, there is that shitty feeling when someone like you got a guarantee and you, you didn't bring the people and, and you know, those, all of those things are kind of eliminated with this thing, which is great. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, we really feel uh, very mission based on this app. Like we, we really want everyone to do well. Right. right? And, and that's part of the whole, cause like you said, there, it, it's not just when the sh- when the show doesn't do well. It's not it's not just the artists or the. Vi- I mean, everybody suffers, right? The vi- the venues are just as bad off in that situation, correct? Right? Yeah, because because they're not making money off drinks and they paid you a guarantee and right. like you know it's like so why why can't we make it a more uh, risk free model? Yeah, and and to that point, like. You know, one of the things we talk about too is like running a successful campaign in our app is great, but also running a campaign that is not successful gives you data too. So like if you go to try and book a show and like you don't sell the tickets, that's okay too. Or like one of the things I like, one of the scenarios, like going back to the one I was talking about is like, Shearer could like run like four campaigns and he could run one in like New Braunfels, Austin, San Antonio, uh, Round Rock. And then he could all of a sudden go, Oh, holy shit. I just sold 400 tickets for New Braunfels and that, and, but I only sold like 50 in Austin, a hundred in San Antonio and, you know, 10 in Round Rock. Well, well holy shit. I'm just going to book the show in New Braunfels. Right. So you can get all of this market data from actual sales and not just theoretical data. Right. Yeah. That's, you know? I, that, and, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. To, to me, those are like the great things that technology is like, like people freak out over Spotify or whatever, but also like, you, you know who where people are listening to you and how many people are listening to you. So you know where to go on tour and stuff like that. So these sort of analytics are really just like, over the top, so important and something that we didn't have like 20 years ago, you know, at all. Right. 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 And when you can combine data with, with APIs like Spotify and, and all these other things, you know, it can, it can all feed each other to some degree. Are you going to make it so that they can, or can they do that? Like, is there some way uh, to aggregate everything? Eventually, that's right. A lot of that is too, is like, listening habits and the data that they collect and disseminate with, um, you know, Spotify and you're able to kind of find, like, for instance, like if you had two people that followed, you know, one person followed like myself and another person followed like Hank Jr.'s activity or was, was doing shows and all like that, like, and they know that those two work well together. There's just a lot of that kind of like pollinated fan bases that can be done. Right. And who sees you know, campaigns and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, some of the things we want to do in the future are 
Uh, right now, the campaigns are like single artist campaigns. Uh, but one of the things we're going to be adding pretty soon is that like if two artists start up campaigns in the same city and they overlap like yeah. date wise, we'll give you the ability to like merge those. Right. So like, like if you, and where you can like request to merge them so that you can have like headliner and opener or like three artists, you know, so you can have like a whole bill uh, based on, so like you've sold a hundred tickets and he's sold 200 tickets. You can all of a sudden have a 250 ticket show right. by just merging your yeah, yeah. two shows together. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking great, can, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so did you guys launch this just nationally at, or is it, is it focused in Austin right now? Um, it's focused in Texas for now. Okay. Um, but technically you can run a campaign anywhere and we'll, if people want to run campaigns in other places, we could use that as leverage to get venues there. Sure. Um, but we're focused on Austin and Texas right now. Um, but, and we'll just kind of grow geographically from here. Right. Well, that, I mean, that seems like the best way to go about doing this thing. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't download the app. I should have, but I, I, I'm, this is really like, this is really inspiring. And it seems like, uh, like it takes some of the risk out of, uh, it's hard to get out there and play. Like you got to pay a band. You got you know what I mean? Like at this point in my yeah. life, like I don't have a bunch of bros that'll do anything like drive to Dallas for a bag of weed or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's like yeah. <laughs> people need to get paid. They're older. They have like families and homes and shit. So Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. It's real now. It's yeah. Not, like it wasn't. It wasn't so real before, but it's real. Yeah. Now. I mean, and this should hopefully give an opportunity for some of those kind of people that our lives don't allow for them to only do music. They can use this to kind of grow their music career strategically. Right. You know what I mean? Right. By yeah. being able to pick when and how they do it. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Takes- and so. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead, please. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I would say anybody who's interested, the if you're an artist or a venue, the pro apps are available to download and you can build a profile. And then we have to verify it before you can start selling tickets. Because one thing to note, right? Uh, we make sure that the venues are real venues, that the artists are actually real artists. artists because... Yeah. because once you get on the app and we verify you could actually go out and start selling tickets and we want to make sure that someone doesn't just get on and pretend they're Aerosmith, for example, and start selling tickets. Because <laughs> without a verification, that could be, that right. could literally just start happening. Um, but yeah, so feel free. We'd love to have more artists and venues playing around uh, and using and giving us feedback. That's a really, <clears throat> we are very, very actively asking for feedback, even literally the download and build a profile. So as an artist in a venue, that's what you do. You build a profile and that includes like your genre, like description of the band, your picture, all the links to your music. So that's that's one of the things we try to shortcut and make a lot easier too is like show advancement. So if you've ever booked a show and done like what's called show advancement, for those who might not be familiar, um, like the back and forth that goes back and forth between a venue and the artist yeah. of like, here's, 
here's my tech, you know, here's like what my stage plot is. And here's like what my writer looks like and all that. And like, here's my W9 and here's like, we all that you upload in your profile. So when you and the venue are going back and forth, you literally just click on each other's profiles in the app. So you don't need to like send any of that stuff back and forth with each other. It's amazing. <laughs> and so there's um, contracts in there as well, or the right or no? No, you don't need the contracts because, because we handle all the payments. Okay, okay, okay. That's perfect. Okay. All right. So yeah, the writers so, in the track in the everything that would be in the contract except for like the payment and all that stuff is there in the in your profile yeah, people can access in it. Your profile. Yeah, you just right. upload upload all you upload all your documentation to your profile. And so when you agree to the show, yeah. you're just clicking. I there, There's some, some confirmations you click through that says, this is the split. I agree it's an 80-20 split. Yeah. I agree that, you know, I'm going to show up to the show, you know, and that's, so the contract's built into the app. And so, you know, and again, because the show tickets are already sold by the time the booking happens, you don't have to have the guarantee and deposit. All that mechanic just sort of goes away. Yeah. Wow, man, this is great. Well, then I tell you yeah. what, I'll I will I'll I'll sign up on it, and then when we go get coffee, I'll give you my feedback there. I'll bring a list great. of notes. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Marcus, to, I'm just sorry we didn't. The reason get, we're going to go get coffee is because I have to get that selfie. Well, I have also to get the like signature uh, Johnny selfie. Yeah. Well, it's been a, it's been a long yeah. time. I we didn't we missed the pleasantries and got right into it when you came on. But but it's really great to see you, man. It was great to hear from you. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think what we met like thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. and then there was a time when uh, when my wife and me were split up, and I just like your f- group of 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 Baton Rouge friends took me in as as a bro, like through John yeah. and Samantha, and that was just always such a warm and fuzzy place to be with all you guys. Also, very drunk. Yeah, fun. Yeah, it was a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah well, well, hopefully, this is like. A reconnection and we're going to hang out some more now. Yeah. 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 That'd be great. Um, I'll be in touch and we'll get uh, coffee before this comes out and everything. And uh, I want to come to that show on the 20th. I think I'm around and uh, shooter. You're a fucking brilliant producer, by the way. Oh, and, and it's such a thank great you. artist, but you've, you've be, like your thing as a producer is just amazing. Thank you. I, I'm, uh, I love where I'm at. You know, it's like, I, I realized that I, everything in the world happens for different reasons for everybody else. For me, I couldn't be happier. I, I'm creative all year long yeah. and with so many great different artists and it's, it's a dream come true. I definitely don't take it uh, yeah. for granted either, you know? Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that there's a great artist like you that, that loves art so much. Cause I get worried like the, the, what you're able to do like organically as a producer like that, we're kind of losing, I mean, nothing bad against it, but like there's a certain level of, of people communicating in the same room. And it like, like when people capture magic, as opposed to carving out perfection, like you're really great at capturing magic. And I'm glad someone's out there focusing on that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I mean, you know, I'm, that's definitely a style and I definitely learned from Dave Cobb. Like when I, when we first started working with him on my first records, you know, the fact that we were just kind of going in and cutting these songs that were not even really finished. Like I, I, I got to a place with him where I could write like three quarters of a song. And by the time we'd get to the studio, the rest would just fall in place, you know? And so it was that process 
I didn't realize how different it was because I never really worked with any other producers. And then I, now, as I've been doing my thing, a lot of people have told me some pretty bad horror stories about like just how miserable studio experiences can yeah. be. And I was like, isn't it supposed to be fun? You know, it's like everyone's like, I feel like my job is to, is to make sure that like the band is so fired up like the whole time, you know, yeah. like, and, and never, never appear rattled by anything. You right, know? So right, right. It is about keeping everybody's moods and spirits great so that when you hit the record button and they get the one, you know, to take with you into a song and you get the song, you're like, you move on. Everybody's yeah. happy. You know, yeah. you get a lot done. So, yeah. But I appreciate that kind words, man. Yeah, no, no problem. That's one of the things about, I mean, I love... I love not having to wait for a tape to rewind, but I, I yeah. like, there's a lot of other stuff that I, I miss that used to happen just from organic and magic. You know what I mean? Like performances and stuff. It doesn't seem like the focus in modern recording is about a, a magical performance, like a Frank Sinatra, you know, it really is. It's, yeah. it's what it's all about. And yeah. it's really what it's all about. Yeah. Well, that comes through on the records you make, man. Ah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank man. You. Yeah. I'm glad it does. I appreciate it. Yeah. You, you know, that the observation about your uh, spirit that you bring to your recording, sure, you, you, I'm now realizing you bring that to our interactions too, as we're like, because what we're doing is really hard, you know, yeah. and, you know, and like, like doing a startup. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's crazy hard. And, but you bring that same sort of like cheerleading, like, and like, like we're gonna, it's, this is all gonna be fine. It's all gonna be cool. We're gonna, we're gonna crush it. And like, <laughs> I'm realizing, like you, you know, because I can, I can get intense as we're trying to make this happen. Hey, man, and, you, and, you, and you and you stay chill. It's great. It's you're amazing, out. man. You're well. You're amazing at it. And and I know, man. It's like the hardest part about this whole thing is getting it off the ground to some degree. I know, like whether or not Gigstand becomes like the the industry standard or, or if it becomes just a cool tool or whatever, whatever its fate is. I know that the, the, that it was born out of something real and something honest and, and, and everyone involved has a really good spirit and are, has their own geniuses. And you guys definitely did all the hard work. So it's like, to me, uh, the, the least I can do is, is cheerlead you guys on, but it is like we have a band. I mean, we've been together for years. We yeah. talk every single week. It's not twice a week. Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it's, it's an amazing experience. I've, I'm very grateful for you and, and for this whole thing. Me too. There you go, man. Aww. What a lovely moment captured on my podcast between stars. Hey, look at my, uh, can, you, can you see that the rich, um, Robert Smith poster back there on the stairs by chance? Uh, no. Oh, that is oh, look. Oh, look. Went to the Cure. I got a poster. Oh, Jesus. All kinds of posters. Yeah, we, my wife and I went to go see the Cure and I was talking. He's seen it six times. You've seen the Cure? Six times. I've seen the Cure. Wow. It's so crazy. I had never seen it before. Like, blew my mind. But and he's like, oh, that's awesome. I've seen it six times. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I, I would, as you can imagine, no. I haven't Very seen him with call. I haven't seen him with Reeves Gabrels, who I love, but I haven't seen I saw Reeves Gabrel with Bowie, but I haven't seen yeah. him with Cure. Yeah. 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 Reeves Gabrel was great with Bowie. I loved that era. Uh, Me too. Uh, what was what was that record? Earthling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tim Machine and then Earthling and like well, yeah, Tim Machine. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he also didn't didn't he play when he was doing the Nine Inch Nails tour? Yeah, like, that's a good thing. That was 
That was Earthling, yeah. though. That was all yeah, 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 yeah. Because because yeah. when I'm afraid of Americans, they did that yeah. after on that same record. But yeah, oh, yeah, so good. Wait, what a prophetic that song that was, huh? Yeah, <laughs> no, kidding. Uh, no kidding. I heard it the other day, and I was and I was kind of like, man, I'm I'm surprised they haven't changed the national anthem to this. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. Well, man, uh, yeah. guys can go out and find uh, Gigstand at gigstand.com. I'll put links to it in this podcast, and uh, and uh, you can find it at the Apple Store and the Google Store. Uh, the first shows are going, and I'm sure people can can find out where to go and how to how to get out to uh, the Saxon on the 20th. Right, that's where it is. Uh, well, the dates no. will be on the website. Um, so we're the, we're going to be at Sound Space at Captain Quackenbush's oh, right, and right, Saxon right. So over the next few months, okay. uh, and uh, check the website for the latest dates and time. All right. Well, Star, great reconnecting with you, and I'll uh, I'll reach out. Let's uh, let's go grab coffee in the next week or so. And Shooter, man, uh, I look forward to seeing you when you come to town, coming and seeing you play. Yeah, it's nice to see you again, man. Yeah, man, That's nice cool. to see you too. You guys have Thanks a great day. Thanks again me. for doing the show. Congratulations, yeah, you too. Got it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank All right, you. man. Bye. Bye. All right, gang. I hope that you ha- enjoyed that conversation. I want to thank Shooter and Star for, for sitting down and talking to me. That was really great. And check it out, man. Go check out Gigstand. I'm really excited about this show. It's going to happen sometime between Thursday, July 20th and Sunday, July 23rd. Just go to gigstand.com. I'll put a link to the event in the, uh, in the text of the podcast, and you can go there and see what it's all about at gigstand.com. All right? Once again, thanks to Shooter and thanks to Star. Uh, you know, new companies like Gigstand are going to be coming along, and they're going to try and help people out. And... Uh, it's going to need people to get involved. So sign up if you're a music fan, if you want to see some of your favorite artists and come on out and see me, A. Sinclair, and Leslie Sisson sometime between July 20th and July 23rd. All right? Here in Austin. Uh, also, gang, if while you're out there checking out gigstand.com, don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts, be it uh, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, new shows every Tuesday, every Friday, happening all the time. I hope you enjoy them and... Uh, I hope you have a great weekend, whatever you're doing. And hey, don't forget to come out on Monday. Come on out, celebrate Paul's birthday with Miles Zuniga from Fastball, Barbara Nesbitt, and the great uh, Ben Jones with the band featuring Harmony Kelly on the bass, Darren Murphy on the drums, and me on the keyboards. All right? It's going to be great. Uh, El Mercado South. That's where that's happening. All right, have a great weekend, whatever you're doing. Let's get down.